we're starting off this new year with a new series that I've called Built Strong. I want all of us to become stronger in 2016. In fact, I want us to become so strong that no matter what this world throws at you, no matter what even Satan himself throws at you, that you will not shrink back from what God is calling you to be or what God is calling you to do. That we will not fall away from God. We will not fall away from worshiping him in services like this. That we will not fall away from fellowship with our church family. I want you to become so strong in your inner spirit that you overcome every hardship and every temptation. That you never waver in your worship, in your serving, in your giving. That you never stop modeling before others the love and grace and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Amen? I want you to become that strong. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to learn how to become people who are built strong. And the key verse for this series is one that the Apostle Paul prayed over his church that he planted in Ephesus. And it goes like this. I pray that from his glorious and unlimited resources, that God will give you mighty inner strength through his Holy Spirit. Now, that's a verse that the Apostle Paul prayed over his church in Ephesus. And I want you to know this is the verse that I have committed to pray over you this entire year. I pray that from God's glorious, unlimited resources, that God himself will give to you mighty inner strength. Amen? That comes from his Holy Spirit, that if you're a Christian, he's already indwelling in you. So here's the question. Do you want to receive from God mighty inner strength? Now, we all like to go to the gym, like to get fit. But do you want to receive mighty inner strength? Do you want to become stronger in your spirit? Because getting stronger in every way doesn't just happen. The truth is, is, is that we can go through life spiritually weak or we can do what it takes to become stronger. One who is truly built strong. And that's what this series is all about. And to start, I want us to take a look at the, the man in the Bible called Samson. The strongest man recorded in the Bible. Because even though he was strong in so many ways... He also had so many weaknesses. This morning, I just want to tell you part of the story of Samson, but you can find and read his story in Judges chapters 13 through 16. And those four chapters are dedicated to his life story in the Bible. So God must have thought that giving us four chapters on, on one man had some important stuff that he wanted us to hear and learn about. And from his story, you can see what will weaken your inner spirit and what will strengthen your inner spirit. Now, physically, Samson was a Rambo. Anybody ever watch Rambo? He was a Rambo. Physically, tough. But spiritually, he was a peewee Herman. <laughs> a wimp. A weakling. 
But other than a weak inner spirit, man, Samson had everything going for him. He had a great commitment to God. He took the Nazarite vow, committed himself to God. He had physical strength beyond anybody else. He had great abilities, had good looks. God had blessed him in every way. But one day, due to a weak inner spirit, he woke up a broken man. And that's what I don't want to have happen to you in 2016. I don't want you to wake up one day this year and say, I'm not the man or I'm not the woman I used to be. What happened to me? Because that's exactly what happened to Samson. Because he chose a lifestyle that sapped his spiritual strength. He chose a lifestyle that weakened his inner spirit. How do you do that? Write this down. You weaken your spirit when you choose to self-indulge in anything. When you choose to self-indulge, it will weaken your inner spirit. Now, Samson lived a very self-indulgent life. He lived an undisciplined life. He lived what I would call a feeling-driven life. And, And one of the big ways that he chose to indulge was with women. Now, Samson, you know... Some men indulge with wine, song, and women. But Samson indulged with women, women, and women. Okay? He was hot after women. Can I say hot in this room? All right? He was after women. And in fact, in three chapters of the Bible, he falls for three different women. So he keeps running into relationships, then out of relationships, and then he runs from relationships. But then in chapter 14, he sees a woman named Delilah. And he says, man, she looks good. I think that she would please me. And he instructs some people around him, go get her for me. He wanted her. He was ready to indulge with her. Now, let's let's be really honest here this morning. Sex is God's idea. Sex is good. But even every good thing can be harmful when it's out of control. Or when it's outside of God's boundaries that he set up for our good and for our protection. And, and those good things include sex. But also money and sleep and even food. Anybody ever like to just indulge in some really good food around Christmas? Amen. Good stuff around. And indulging in anything. Being feeling driven. And undisciplined in anything will weaken your inner spirit. That means making decisions based on pleasure instead of principle will weaken your inner spirit. It means that making decisions based on convenience rather than conviction will weaken your inner spirit. So when Samson sees Delilah, he doesn't check her out. Where does she come from? Who she is? How she lives? He doesn't even consider, is this woman going to strengthen me or weaken me? He doesn't even consider, is this woman going to build me up or is she going to tear me down? He just said, she's hot. Go get her for me. I want her. And so he ignores God's plans and follows his glands. That's what he does. Impulsive decision. Folks, we live in a culture today that's feeling driven. We know the saying, if it feels good, just do it. We live in a culture that says, obey your thirst. 
So the question is, what is it that you know is really wrong, but you keep saying, I want this? Just this once. So I'm going to go ahead and indulge. What is that in your life? Now, if you went on a cruise ship, and, and the, the captain came on the loudspeaker and says, you know, folks, I don't want you to worry, but we've developed a small leak in our, in our ship's hull. Uh, don't worry, it's just a small leak. That small weak leak should worry you, amen? He, he said it's just a small weak leak. He says, don't worry. But listen, that small leak should worry you because whether it's a small leak or a big leak, a leak is a leak, amen? <laughs> and sooner or later, that leak is going to seek Sink your ship. It just takes a little longer. Here's the deal. In the area of your life where you are undisciplined, where you are indulging in something that you know is wrong, that thing is going to weaken your inner spirit. And sooner or later, it's going to sink your ship. Look at what the Bible says. It says, don't be misled. Remember that you can't ignore God and get away with it. A man will always reap just the kind of crop he sows. If he sows to please his own wrong desires, he will be planting seeds of evil in his inner spirit and will surely reap a harvest of spiritual decay and death. I mean separation from God for eternity. Listen, to become strong, you must discipline your desires. Write that down. You've got to discipline your desires. Now, God-given desires are good, but they've still got to be disciplined. They must be given boundaries, ones that work inside of God's will. The Bible says this, strengthen yourselves with the same way of thinking that, that he, Christ, had. Live the rest of your earthly lives controlled by what? By God's will and not by human desires. We have all kinds of desires and many are good. But are we allowing those desires to be controlled by God's word, by God's will? Now what's all that mean? It means that just because I desire something doesn't mean that I should go after it like Samson went after Delilah. It means that just because I desire it and I can afford it doesn't mean I should go buy it. It means that just because I desire it and I can smell it doesn't mean I should eat it. It, it means that just because I desire it and I imagine the pleasure that I can get from it doesn't mean I should give in to it. You weaken your spirit when you choose to self-indulge. And then next, when you choose to harbor resentment when you choose to harbor resentment resentment will always work on your inner spirit and weaken it you know Samson the Bible tells us lived his entire life in a state of disappointment and anger and resentment and so he then used his physical strength to get his way to get even with people who hurt him Harboring resentment unlocks the door that normally keeps you from getting even. And so if you just let that resentment work on your inner spirit, pretty soon you're going to unlock that door and you're going to walk through it and you're going to do something to get even. 
One time Samson burned all the shocks of grain of the Philistines to get back with his father-in-law who gave his wife, who was a Philistine, who gave his wife to another man. I don't know how father-in-laws could do that, but he did that, gave his wife away. And then, because Samson had burned their grain, the Philistines turned around and went back and killed his wife and his father-in-law. So what did Samson do? He harbored resentment, and then to get even, he slaughtered hundreds of Philistines, and later, thousands with nothing more than a jawbone of a donkey for his weapon, saying as he killed them, I'll make donkeys out of all of you. He was an angry, resentful, bitter man. And he was always going out of his way to hurt those who hurt him. Good question for us this morning is this, who has hurt you? Are you harboring resentment against someone? But no matter who they are, no matter what they did, you need to forgive them. And you need to let it go. Don't carry resentment from some past hurt into 2016. I mean, if you do, it will weaken your inner spirit, it will sap your spiritual strength, and it will eventually sink your ship. Resentment will always weaken weaken your spirit. And it always hurts you more than it will hurt anybody else. It'll tear you apart from the inside out. The Bible says this, to worry yourself to death with resentment would be a foolish, senseless thing. It's just foolish, the Bible says. To carry resentment around in your inner spirit just doesn't make sense. The Bible goes on and says, you're only hurting yourself with your anger. Write this down. To become strong, you must control your reactions. Samson never learned to do that. But if we want to become strong, we've got to learn how to control our reactions. The Bible says, a fool gives full vent to his anger. But a wise man keeps himself under control. Something Samson never learned to do. You weaken your spirit when you choose to self-indulge. You weaken your spirit when you choose to harbor resentment. And then third, when you choose to be careless. To be careless. It always weakens your inner spirit. Anytime you get careless with your driving, with your phone, with your health, with your money, with your words. Anybody ever have to do this? Saying, oh, I can't believe I said that. Or with your commitments. You weaken your inner spirit when you get careless. Samson had amazing physical strength. His strength was a gift from God. He made this Nazarite vow to God. And so God gave him the gift of strength. And it was this result of this commitment that he had made. And he had committed to serve God 100%. To be holy before God. But Samson has committed to serve God But he doesn't do it with all of his heart. Samson became careless with his commitment. He began to toy with all kinds of temptation. And so his attitude became not how close to God can I get, but how close can I get to the fire and not get burned. The truth is lots of people who have made a commitment to Jesus live that very same way. They say, I know what I'm doing is wrong. But how much can I do it and still not get burned? 
In Judges chapter 16, the woman named Delilah comes on the scene. And she's the one that Samson has the hots for. But Delilah has been hired by all of his enemies. Samson is an enemy because he represents the strength of God to these Philistine people. And these people who hate God now want to destroy God's man, Samson. So they hired Delilah to find out the secret of his strength. Now, Samson knows exactly what's going on. He's he's aware of their game. He knows that she's trying to find out the secret of his strength, but he doesn't care. He flirts with her because he wants her. He knows she's after him. He knows she's out to take him down, but he so wants her. So when she says, oh, honey, please tell me the secret of your strength, he says, well, just tie seven bowstrings around me, and I I won't be able to break them loose. Then he goes to bed with this girl that he's got the hots for, and when he wakes up, he's tied up with seven bowstrings, and he's looking at men waiting to kill him. And immediately he breaks the strings, and he kills the men. Night number two, she says, oh, but honey, come on, tell me the secret of your strength. He says, well, if you tie seven new ropes around me, I won't be able to break them. So he gets to go to bed with the girl that he's hot for again. And when he wakes up, she's tie- he's tied up with ropes. And there's some more men waiting to kill him. I'd go, duh. What's with Delilah? But immediately he breaks the ropes and kills the men. Here comes night number three. And she says, honey, come on. Tell me, please, the real secret of your strength. You're embarrassing me. He says, well, if you'll just braid my hair. Come on, honey, touch me a little bit. Braid my hair, and I'll lose my strength. But now he's getting closer to the real secret because the secret was in his hair. That's a part of the Nazarite vow. Don't ever let a a razor touch your hair to show you're committed to God. Well, his hair was a symbol of his commitment to God. So now he's flirting with temptation. He's thinking, what can I say to get this woman in bed with me again? Well, I'll say, braid my hair. I want to get her in bed for the third time. The question is, what are you flirting with? What do you know is flat out wrong, but you're doing it anyway? Is it pornography? Are you flirting with it? Cheating on your taxes? Have you been flirting with doing that or you've been doing that? Cheating on your spouse? Are you, are you flirting with someone? I mean, you, you know it's wrong, but you say, I, I can handle it. But you know what? You're getting closer and closer to a fall. Satan has seduced you. Satan has already designed a plan to take you away from God. Then one more time, time number four, she says, please tell me the real secret of your strength. And then he says, if you cut my hair, I'll lose my strength. He finally becomes so careless with his commitment to God and so weakened in his inner spirit that then he gets careless with his words and he tells her the secret of his strength. Why? Just so he can fulfill his desires with this woman One more time. Listen, nobody ever plans to fail spiritually. Nobody ever plans to fail and fall morally. 
Nobody ever plans to fail financially or any, any way. But it happens when we make one bad little decision after another, after another, after another. You see, people don't fall overnight. People just get careless. It begins with what I call small slippages. It begins by allowing small things to slide. And then they wake up one morning and say, what happened? All of a sudden, they've lost their credibility. They've lost their reputation. They've lost their ministry. They've lost their family. And they say, what happened? Samson became careless with his commitment to God and careless with his words. The Bible says, look at this, you will have to live with the consequences of everything you say. The truth is this, you not only have to live with the consequences of everything you say, but with the consequences of everything you do. So write this down. To become strong, you must develop good habits. Ones that refuse small slippages. Habits that refuse to take a small slip, a small step away from God. Develop good habits. This is the day, folks, and this is the year to do something about the slippages in your life. About slipping away from good habits and slipping into bad habits. You and I, we've got to stop being careless in every area of our lives. And so the question is, how do you stop slipping and start building a strong inner spirit? Well, we know that you weaken your spirit when you choose to self-indulge, when you choose to harbor resentment, when you choose to be careless. So what can you do to strengthen your inner spirit instead of weakening it? Write this down. First, you get with God daily. Amen? You just, oh, that's just one amen out of this crowd. You get with God daily. And if you're not doing that, you're not getting stronger spiritually. The Bible says it this way. Build up your strength. How? In union with the Lord. And by means of his mighty power. Strength comes to you and me when we are united with the Lord. Then his power is released. The power of his Holy Spirit inside of us is released when we are in union with him day by day. So the reason for spending time with God is this, to get guidance and strength from God. The Bible says this, show me the path where I should go, O Lord. Point out the right road for me to walk. So the reason for time for God is to get guidance from God. And if, and if you're not spending time with God daily, you're going to make a lot of wrong turns. You're going to go down a lot of wrong paths. You're going to end up on a lot of wrong roads. You need his guidance. The routine for spending time with God is just getting alone in some quiet place where you can be with God daily. Read his word. Pray. Listen for his voice daily. The Bible tells us about Jesus doing that. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Make that part of your daily routine. And what will be the result of time with God? Jesus tells us clearly. He says like this. If you remain in me, in union with me, and my words remain in you, then you may ask for anything you wish and you shall have it. Folks, 
Let's commit to be with God daily in 2016. Amen? Let's be with him daily. Commit to remain in relationship with him and let his words remain in you. Do that, and then the result is that your prayers will be answered. You will have what you ask him for, and that means for what you really need, you will have it. He will provide it. So you strengthen your spirit when you get with God daily, and then write this down, and then when you get with believers weekly. That's what you're doing right here, right now. When you get with believers weekly. The ways to get stronger in your inner spirit, folks, is not rocket science. (laughs) We know what they are, but often we just don't do them on a daily and weekly basis. So get with God daily. Get with believers weekly. Get with believers to worship God and to study God's word. Get here to worship. Get in a C group to study. The reason for time with believers is this, encouragement to not give up. The Bible says this, let us not give up the habit of meeting together. Instead, let us encourage each other. Life gets hard, amen? Stuff happens. We need each other to encourage each other, to pray for each other, to to walk with each other. Believers being together is like keeping the coals of a fire together. And when the coals are together, all the coals stay hot. But when you spread those coals out, their fire goes out. But if you take that coal and put it back with some other coals, they get hot again. And that's what fellowship with other believers does. It keeps you spiritually hot and encouraged and strong. You know, over the years, I've watched many people pull away. From weekly worship. There's just stuff to do. There's things to go see. There's things that our kids are involved in. And and I've watched people make things of the world more important than weekly worship. And more important than weekly small groups. And it's not long until they are so weakened spiritually. That they are pulling away from God. And pulling close to the things of this world. The things that the Bible says are temporary and don't last. So what's the routine to establish a habit of gathering with believers? Well, the Bible says this. In the early church, they met day after day in the temple courts and from house to house. Now, meeting in the temple courts, that was their large group worship. Meeting in house to house was their small group fellowship, their C groups. And, and, and you need both to become and stay spiritually strong. And if you do that, the result of time with believers on a weekly basis is this. Look at this. The Bible says two are better off than one because they are more effective. If one falls down, the other can help him up. Folks, there will be times in 2016 when you fall down. There will be times when storms hit, crises come. When you will need somebody to help you up, somebody to walk with you. Do you have a group of believers that you're meeting with? So that when your storm hits, somebody will be there to walk with you and come to your aid. You strengthen your spirit when you get with God daily, when you get with believers weekly. And then last this morning, write this down. And you're going to love this one. When you get to giving to God consistently. (laughs) You love it, don't you? You get stronger in your spirit when you get to giving to God consistently. How's that work? Well, you get stronger when you're giving to the Lord and trusting Him to provide. You say, I don't know how I can give my 
my tithe, my offerings to God and still make ends meet. But when you learn to give and trust and then you develop this track record of giving and trusting and seeing him provide, that strengthens you deep down in your inner spirit and you become stronger because you're having God interact with you. You're seeing God work with you and in you. And you develop this wonderful strength deep down inside. So giving a tithe or a 10% of your income to God consistently says to him, look at this, God, you come first in my life. So I will give you the first part of my income on the first day of the week, consistently every week, as an act of worship, God, to show you that you are first in my life. And the reason that we're to do that, the Bible tells us, look at this, because the Bible says wherever your treasure is, your heart will be there. If I give God the first part, the first 10% of my treasure, of my money, he'll also be the first in my heart. For my heart will be wherever I put my treasure. And so if I give part of my treasure to God and his work to accomplish his purpose, my heart's going to stay focused on the right things while I live in this world. And that's on God. And his work. The Bible says the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your life. Here's the question. Is God first in your life? You say, well, of course he is. He's number one. He's the man. Does your wallet show it? Does your giving show it? Well, if I want to give to God, how do I do it? How do I develop a habit of giving consistently to God? The Bible, once again, tells us, it says, on the first day of every week, set aside some of what you've earned and give it as an offering. The amount depends on how much the Lord has helped you earn. It's like giving in proportion to what you earn. In other words, you give the first 10% to God. And so if you made a lot, the 10% is bigger. And so you give a lot. If you made less, the 10% is smaller, so you give less. But the Bible says, what do you do? Well, you develop a habit of setting it aside and then bringing it and giving it. It's pretty simple, amen? Pretty simple. And what's the result when you give to God? The Bible tells you, look at this. He says, bring your whole tithe into my storehouse, into my church, into my work, And test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I won't throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you won't have enough room for it. So God is giving you the dare here, the test. He's saying, test me in this. Try this thing of bringing your tithe, of bringing your 10% to me, because I am just waiting to open the floodgates of heaven and bless you for making me first in your life. You know, Shirley and I have been doing this our whole married lives. Now over 41, coming up on 42 years of marriage. And I gotta tell you, God has blessed us and amazed us over and over again. And so we just keep giving. He just keeps blessing. In fact, we talk and we laugh and sometimes and joke and say, I'm afraid to not give. <laughs> What would happen in our lives if we didn't give? God has so blessed and so amazed us and so provided for us. And I want to encourage you to do the same thing. I want you to not only see God's work flourish, but I want you to receive his blessing and his interaction in your life in this way. So you get strength in your spirit when you give to God daily, when you get with believers daily or weekly, 
and you give to God consistently. Here's my last question. As we begin this new year, which of these three things do you most need to start in 2016 to become stronger? Which of these three things are you ready to commit to a daily time with God? Are you willing to commit to a weekly time with believers? Are you willing to commit to a consistent tithe to God? Because if you are, those three things will change your life for the better. And you will be built stronger. They will do something on the inside of you. And God will release a mighty inner strength inside of you like never before. You will be stronger. And as you do these things, this is my prayer for you. Same prayer I began with. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, that God will give you mighty inner strength through his Holy Spirit. And all of God's people said, amen. Would you bow with me? If you're ready to get stronger this year, would you just repeat this prayer in your heart this morning? Make this your commitment prayer. Father God, I don't want to be a spiritual weakling. I want to be spiritually strong. I want this to be the year that I become strong in my inner spirit. So I declare today that I'll stop the things that weaken me and I'll start the things that strengthen me. Lord Jesus, we bow before you. We thank you for your great love for us. We thank you for the fact that there's nothing you wouldn't do for us. You've done the most important thing. You've made a way for us to know you and to live with you forever. But Lord, even in this life, when we honor you, we can ask you for what we need and we will have it when we follow you. We praise you for these wonderful things. We bless you, worship you in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. amen. Lord bless you.